Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. It's the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover and myself. We're going to have a little pop quiz today. Don't click off the podcast. It's going to be fun. We're going to do a little retirement planning quiz uh, and see how Steve does, see how you guys do play along with us and see if your retirement is set to, uh, you know, kind of handle some of these things. And don't dread it like you did as a kid. Uh, it's multiple choice. It's only five questions. Pretty easy. So we'll have a good time with it. Steve, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you feeling? Doing pretty good. Now, did did the term pop quiz, did it make you immediately nervous? Oh, yeah. I never liked pop quizzes. Weren't anymore. good at them? Oh yeah, never, never, never liked them. Yeah, but it's funny when you say that term to most people, we all kind of go, huh. <laughs> right. "We all, well, remember those days in the school where we were a big fan." But this is right up your alley because obviously this is a retirement planning pop quiz, uh, and for our listening audience, right, this is stuff that hopefully they should know. But this is kind of interesting because what I want you to do, Steve, basically, is I'm gonna give the question. I want you to pick the best possible choice from the answer. But then if you think there's something else better or another way to view things, feel free to expand on it. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's jump in. Let's have some fun. See how you do. Sharpen those pencils. Let's get it rolling. Uh, Number one, Steve Hoover. At what age should people start saving for retirement? A, when they begin working. B, after they buy their first home. Or C, once they've paid off all their debt. I think a once they start working, they need to start putting something away. And that means they're usually typically young. So what they need to be doing is putting into a Roth when they're young. Okay. Uh, even if they're a teenager and they, they make three, four grand during the summer doing whatever. 50 bucks. Uh, yeah. yeah. They need to just put that into Here a Roth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's, when you're thinking about, we all know this, right? I think it's something that we're kind of all here, but it's tough, right? When you're first getting started in life, you kind of, you know, you're in your 20s or whatever, you start thinking, well, it's, it's you know, I don't make that much, it gets tight. But if you could just do a little bit, just paying your future self, the rewards are just massive, you know, especially yeah, after not, a 30-year career. You know, you put $50 away, 25 away, you can find it. I mean, it, it's, you can find that kind of money to put away yeah. and yeah. typically the best place to put it is a Roth. So yeah, that's, that's what I would say. That, that would be my answer. You know, and like, if you're looking at these other ones, you know, after you buy your first home, maybe some could make an argument for that. You're early on, you're trying to save up to buy the home. And then once you get the home, then you're going to start saving for retirement because you've got years ahead of you. I mean, you could maybe make a slight argument there, but I think once you, the thing about A is the good habits of just, once you begin working, just start paying yourself your future self, right? So that you can kind of get into those habits. The one you paid off your debts, when does that happen? Like there's always going to be debts. So you could justify, well, next time. Well, next time, right? There's always something in the way. That's exactly right. Your comment of, of starting the habit is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a lot, but a little over a long time adds up to a lot. That's right. Compounding. All right. So number two, which of these is the best estimate of how much income you'll need in retirement, Steve? Is it A, 50%, B, 85%, C, 100%, or D, none of the above? My experience at C. Um, 100%? 100%. And it's and the reason why I say that is I've been doing this almost 26 years, and everybody I've worked with 
typically wants to spend or have the same lifestyle they had while they were working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and a client of mine told me this one time and he said, look, I've worked my tail off over the last 30, 35 years for a lifestyle. Why do I want to live a lifestyle based on half of what I made when I have the freedom to do what I want when I want to do it? Yeah. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm earning and I'm, I'm spending $10,000 a month while I'm working and, and going to work every day, got my vacation a couple of times a year, and then I'm finally retired, I want to be able to have a lifestyle of spending the exact same amount of money when I'm retired. Yeah, and, and we and we hear eighty five, uh, Steve. That's uh, you hear that kind of as the old, I guess, traditional number, right? Well, there's all these little justifications. You're not working. You're not going to work. You're not driving the car as much. Whatever, right? And therefore, eighty five percent gets it done. But I'm kind of with you. Plus, early on in retirement, you're hopefully wanting to get out there and do stuff. You can maybe can even make the argument that it's more than a hundred at first. And some of my clients, that that is true. But we also have to, we might put a, a, a time frame on that as well. Okay. Because as people get into their into their late 70s or into their mid 80s, they're going to slow down. And at that point, they will probably start spending less than what they were spending when they were 67. So maybe a sliding, maybe a sliding scale? There's a little bit of a sliding scale. Now, what replaces it for the most part are expenses for health. So you start to have the expenses start to shift a little bit from travel and and doing things of that nature to more healthcare related. Right. But in the beginning, I would say the first five to fifteen years of retirement, you're probably going to spend the same amount of money. Yeah. That you were spending when you were retired when you were working. Right. As you ease into your eighties, that's that's going to slow because you're going to slow down. You're not going to travel as much. You're not going to go play golf as much or tennis or pickleball right. or what have you as much <laughs> right. or go out at night as much to, yeah. to eat. So the expenses start to come down a little bit at that point. You know, I, I always hearken back to this uh, joke I heard the stand-up comedian do talking about puddle jumping airplanes, right? You get on these little puddle jumpers uh, going from island to island or something like that. And they typically ask you, they ask, let's say there's only six or eight people on there. They ask them how much they weigh. And you know this, Steve, right? Because you're a pilot, right? Uh, and there's a reason for that. However, here was the joke. The guy goes, well, why? And the pilot says, so I know how much fuel to put in. And he goes, well, fill it up. <laughs> Because I right. want to have enough to get where I'm going. And it's the same kind of, it's a funny exaggeration. Now I realize there's weight limitations and there's reasons why they ask that from a, uh, getting the aircraft off the ground based on the weight and so on and so forth. But from a comedic standpoint and also from a retirement standpoint, hey, fill it up. I want to get to where I'm going, which is all the way to and through retirement the way that I would like to. That's right. And we never know what's going to happen. So if you live with a, a mindset of, oh my God, I'll, I'm going to run out of money in retirement, I'm going to run out. So you're not going to do things. So you you hoard your money, and lo and behold, you get sick, and you you either get disabled or you can't do the things you wanted right. to do. Yeah. You know, if you have that that mentality, you know, it really doesn't make retirement very fun. You because very true. you go when you can go, because we all are going to end up in the same place. You know, we're all going to, you know, we're, we're all going to die. Yep. I hate to let people know that, yep. but none of us are going to live forever. Spoiler alert, right? And it's always in life, you know, when my mother was very sick and, and other people I've talked to, clients who, who ended up getting sick, it was basically do it while you can. Yeah. But that's kind of why I say it's kind of a sliding scale. You know, do it while you can, while you're healthy. Yeah, you might spend as much as you were spending when you were working, 
but ultimately it's going to scale down. Okay. Here's another little flying reference to tie it back into the retirement pilot. Other advisors adopt this mentality. They said, uh, for those folks who are a little nervous about spending the money that they've saved in retirement and say, well, I, you know, I'm not going to go first class because I want to make sure I don't run out of money. And, and the advisor would say, well, if you don't fly first class, your kids will. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> because you're going to yeah. leave it to them. If you don't wind up enjoying it, whatever, you know, and you leave more, more to them than you might have had you enjoyed yourself a little bit, then right. they're, they're going to reap those benefits. And maybe that's what you want, and that's fine. But make sure that is, again, part of the strategy that you want. And if you've saved and worked hard for it, most of us, to your point, do not want to go backwards in our lifestyle in retirement. So That's right. All right. Uh, number three, which of these do you find that retirees fear the most? It's pretty easy, I think. A, not leaving enough to the kids. B, running out of money. Or C, nursing home care. Uh, running out of money. Yep, B. Although Everyone. nursing home care is pretty close nowadays. It's getting closer. It, people worry about it. Um, but they don't and, do anything about it. <laughs> I know, because it's an unknown. Yeah. It's an unknown. That's why the vast majority of people um, don't have long-term care insurance mm-hmm. or something to cover that risk. Great point. Because most of the time, they're like, well, what if I die before I, before I would need it? Why would I want to spend all this money? having that yeah. that risk covered because when it happens you're going to be it's a fair question but when it happens you're going to be like oh man i am so glad i did this and what and is it right. two out of every three people yeah are hitting yeah, some, some sort point, of long-term care yeah it is you know you're you're looking at in some places eight nine ten some places twelve thousand dollars a month a month i know care especially if you get into the memory care yeah side. those are very very expensive so there are ways to offset that risk. That's part of one of the pillars that I have. I have four pillars um, process, which is estate planning, risk management, tax planning, wealth, and income planning. And the one is risk management. And that's one of the risks. And you need to look at something to try to offset some of that risk. Can we offset all the risk? Yeah. Maybe not, but we can offset a portion of that risk. And that's what you need to, to be looking at because it's a real reality. And sometimes it can happen and you, you have no idea it's going to come your way. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it will, it will, you will spend all your money in that, in that respect. If Very you true. go to a nursing home. And if it doesn't affect you, it'll affect your loved one that you leave behind because it may wipe out their retirement because all the money went to taking care of you. Or so a significant portion of or it. Or significant That's portion. Right. Yeah. And exactly. you lose control of where you get to go, care you get, mm-hmm. you, all those type of things. So exactly. everybody likes to, to stay in control and, and there are ways of using risk tools to manage that risk. Yeah. If you'd like to learn more about those four pillars of independence, definitely reach out to Steve. Let him know. Uh, of course, as always, you can subscribe to the podcast to catch future episodes, as well as you can just email him or reach out to him uh, at his website, wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. You're doing fine. You're doing fantastic. I can't even talk. You're doing fine. I was going to say fine, fantastic, and I combined them. There you go. <laughs> You're doing well, as to be expected. So let's continue on with this little pop quiz here. So it's not too bad so far. Uh, number four, Steve, which of these examples best represents a diversified retirement plan? Best represents, okay. A, a mix of 60% stocks and 40% bonds. B, rental properties and a good chunk of cash in the bank. C, 10 to 12 different mutual funds. Or D, none of the above. None of the above. Break it down. Well, typically the standard models of 60-40. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm talking about current rates and everything, especially on the bond side. Right. Yeah, With interest rates going up. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to get another interest rate hike, which is going to bring down the value of bonds. 
uh, as well. Typically, it doesn't work. And you have to, the way way I design portfolios, we don't have a select, all right, 60% stock, 40% bond, 75 stock, 25 bond, whatever. What we're really trying to do is build a portfolio that is based upon the risk tolerance of the person. But more importantly, what we're going to do is we're going to skew towards vehicles that generate income because that's the most important thing when you retire is you're going to live off income, not the growth of your portfolio, but the income that the portfolio is spilling off. And sometimes we can do that with a 60-40 portfolio, but sometimes we, we don't have to take that much risk. So really want to skew towards income. Um, and now kind of going back to your one of, of rental property and cash, mm-hmm. for some people that works perfectly. I know I've visited with another peop- a number of people that have a lot of rental properties and right. that generates right. a lot of steady cash flow for them. But it's not true right. of diversification. It's just rental properties. If for something happened and you didn't have tenants, you're out. That's no, true. No that's, the other, that, that's the other part. Plus, you you have to be able to do a lot of the fixing and working right. and on the places. So that's why I said no. But but it still kind of goes towards what my philosophy is. Sure. And it's not my. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to take credit for it. Warren Buffett also has the same philosophy that you want good quality equity, you know, stocks in your portfolio that generate income. Mm-hmm. Income mm-hmm. is really the the piece that's going to help you get through retirement, to and through retirement. But more importantly, it helps offset some of this volatility we're going through right now. Bonds True. do not. That's Bonds right. do not offset the volatility like income producing assets. And that was the standard thought process for many years. The traditional 60-40 was what we thought we would do for peeling back some of the risk, but it's just been very wonky in that side of the arena. So not a good move. And, and with the 10 to 12 different mutual funds, again, that might be a portion of your portfolio, but it certainly doesn't mean just that. It doesn't mean diversification because often we find that people just have overlap and it's usually large cap and they just kind of have the same thing. Even if you go to 10 different places and buy 10 different mutual funds from 10 different companies, you tend to wind up getting put in the same types of vehicles. So when they go down, they all go down. Well, so, you tend to own the same stocks. Right, or, yeah. Uh, 10 uh, versions you know, of Microsoft or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. you don't have to have 10 different mutual funds. You can have four and and be just fine and yep. own that. Yep, exactly. All right, uh, one more. Here we go. Number five, to make sure you do not run out of money in retirement, Steve, only withdraw blank percent from your portfolio each year. Would it be 1% A- B, 4%, C, 6%, or D, find a different strategy altogether? How about E? Okay. It depends. (laughs) I was waiting for the it depends. Financial advisors could always do the it depends because it's true. It kind of really does. It really does depend. It depends on other sources of income. You know, you're- Yeah, do you have a pension, right? That makes a big difference, you know? Big difference. You got a pension. We Everybody has a pension. It's called Social Security. In addition Uh-oh. to, but maybe you're lucky and had a, another pension, right? That's right. You know, if if you were in the military, you have a nice pension there. If you mm-hmm. were in a school district or a nonprofit or a, something of that nature, right. or for the city, state, federal government, you got a pension. That's why it, it depends. Yeah. You know, there there are some that have to take out more uh, to meet lifestyle. Then you have to skew your portfolio to generate that kind of income. Well, 4% is the one we tend to hear, Steve. That's the that's the rule of thumb that everybody knows, that everybody seems to gravitate towards. And maybe for back of the napkin, it's a quick conversation piece, but often we find it's not really the right number for most people. No, you just can't say 4%. I mean, it, right. it, I got a million bucks, 4%, 40 grand, boom, I'm good, right? Right. And, and 
so yeah, it does, you know, some are going, well, I only need 3%, Yeah, you know, or, or I need 6%. Yeah. Now I will tell you, once you hit required minimum distribution side, you're going to be taking out more than 4% when you're in your late seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole different conversation. Another but pot, in pot. terms of what you need on that, it really depends. It depends on where other income sources are coming from. It depends on your lifestyle. It depends on a lot of different things. I have some who are taking out seven, eight percent of what they have, which is not advisable, but it's what they need in their scenario. Yeah. And we're doing the best we can to to match that. But you can't go by a standard of four percent rule. I mean, yeah. there have been multiple articles written by by um, economists saying you can't do four percent, you got to do two percent. And you have some come and say, well, you can do more than 4%. You can do actually 5 or 6%. Right. So so all opinion-based, you know, yeah. Yeah. So once you start getting these different opinions, it really comes down to, to it depends on yeah. each person. You just, there's no standard formula, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there really isn't. And, and really, so to answer this kind of, you know, the whole point of the, the pop quiz was kind of fun to say, look, there's all these kind of tried and truisms, and there's some things that are, you know, they're, they're sort of there because universally there are these things that have kind of held up over time. But everything is so vastly different of the last 10 years, heck, the last five years because of pandemic and, and the economies and the, and the you know, supply chains and all these issues has thrown everything to such a tizzy um, that even prior to this, it's advisable to say, look, the best course of action is to get a strategy that's for you because, Steve, what you need is different than what I need and what you know, the guy around the corner needs. Exactly. Well, you, you can project it out and you can look at it. And- you can ballpark it, but then drill it down, right? I mean, you got to make adjustments. We're in a period of very, very high inflation right now. We're in a period of very, very high energy costs, food costs, and you have to make adjustments to that. And part of that is in a plan. You have to be able to make adjustments and and do some projecting and saying, okay, with this kind of inflation for the next probably three, four years, probably you know, and in, in maybe not to the nine percent that we're in. But let's say it's in the five to six percent. We need to model that out and see how that's going to affect you because, exactly. um, you know, what and people make adjustments. Everybody makes adjustments. Um, and that's part of having a plan. You can make an adjustment. You can and we project out and do some modeling of what kind of changes we can make. And people feel better because then they see the numbers and they say, oh, OK, well, I'm OK then. Yeah. Yeah. So you did fantastic as expected on the, on the little pop quiz. And really it was just to kind of uh, pick some of these, again, these universal things we often hear and then let you break down whether they're, you know, fairly accurate or not. And, and so I appreciate you doing that. And as at the, at the end of the day, folks, it comes down to, uh, if you're not already working with a qualified professional like Steve, that's really what you need to do so that you can find out, you know, how is this going to play out for you individually, uniquely, every situation is different. Again, these universal things affect us all. But at the end of the day, what everybody needs is going to be a little bit different from the next person. So do yourself a favor. Reach out to Steve if you've got some questions, you need some help. Stop by the website, wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. And uh, Steve, any, any white papers or anything you'd like to give away? I know sometimes we do that here on the show. They can email you for what's on the docket. Well, the inflation white paper is really appropriate. So I have that called Impact of Inflation on Your Retirement. It's a it's an easy read, but it is it's something that that you probably need to take a look at because we are this inflation is not even if it drops by one percent, we're still at eight on things. Mm-hmm. So you need to keep inflation in mind. 
uh, don't freak out about it, but right. keep it in <laughs> right. mind. And and the white paper goes through and does some some pretty good analysis on it. Okay. If you'd like a copy of that, just email Steve, Steve H at wealthpartnerscorp.com. That's Steve H at wealthpartnerscorp.com. Steve, thanks for hanging out, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend some time with me and play the game. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. As always, we'll see you next month here on the podcast. This is The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover from Wealth Partners Corporation. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.